Seth's most overrated bands or musicians of all time. No particular order. The White Stripes, the MC5, The Doors, and or Jim Morrison, The Sex Pistols. Mm. The caveat there is, you know, they were more of a cultural thing. Music doesn't stand up. And, um, but, but, well, you know, okay, early public image is pretty good, so, all right, but Sex Pistols, come on. Sufjan Stevens, and I'm a fan, Interpol, U2, mm-mm, mm-mm, too, go- too godlike for a band. Uh, they make middle-of-the-road, crowd-pleasing rock band. They, they, they're just, yeah. Van Morrison, just never got into it. Pink Floyd, admit it to yourself. Admit it to yourself, come on. Johnny Cash, not the man, just the collected body of work. Hey man, all, all all personal opinion, a personal opinion. Seth, total disclaimer. This is Hear Me Now, brother. Episode eight. Welcome to another Hear Me Now, brother. Let's give them an overview of what this is all about. My name is Nathan. And I'm Seth. We are real brothers, real life brothers living in Los Angeles. And we uh, are have moved out here from the Midwest. We are yada, 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 trying to be filmmakers like everybody else in the world. Um, that has come out here. But anyway. <laughs> anyway, that's good. We're talking about movies. So that's tangently, tangentially about what we're going to do with this episode. As promised... As long promised. Yeah, the movie episode. I don't know if you care, but we're gonna we're gonna talk about the movies of the year. Um, so yes, once again, Surprising. we are recording at Casa de Andersad here in the Miracle Mile area of Looks Los good. Angeles, and um, and I soundproof I'm, I'm really, the whole place. Yeah, soundproof yesterday. the whole place. You can tell there's no echo at all. Just with my old dirty T-shirts, you like the way it ruined the whole front room. But I mean, it, you know, it's soundproofed, right? Yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> we, had Silence. To, we had to spread the Valentine's Day flowers around to get the stink out. But um, before we go into our little movie episode, um, this is hopefully going to be very, you know, illuminating. We've been talking about facial hair, and I've been thinking about how beards aren't very popular unless, well, they're popular within indie circles. Uh, some of these indie band guys, they got these full beards that are going on, and, and it's, it's getting kind of hip again. They have all kinds of names now, too. I mean, they're, oh, yeah, they're, yeah. they're referring to characters and movies and yeah. all kinds of stuff. Not but just the Fu Manchu. The one thing that isn't working so well anymore, and probably will never work again, is the mustache. Um, the mustache Dash. is something that I'm, me and Nathan are very intimate with. My dad, um, David Anderson, has had a, he's had a lifelong mustache. Let's not, let's not, and, and actually he, he dyed it recently. You notice that? Yeah. I hope know, he doesn't listen dying, to this, but I did dying, notice it. You know, he also cuts it just in, for in men. a way that I don't agree with. Just for men. Nevertheless, my dad has had a lifelong mustache. Can't imagine his face without it. Oh, well, maybe. In your life, do you remember without that mustache? I remember he shaved it once. He looked really funny. Yeah, it didn't work out Just so like well. Tom Selleck without his mustache. Like, who is that guy? Remember it's the it's movie? like Alex Trebek. Yeah, that's Alex Trebek. Yeah, yeah, just weird lip, you know. They need to have the mustache. And nobody can pull it off. I mean, like, but we mentioned the guys that did pull it off at one point or another. I mean, a stash was... Billy D. Williams pulls off his stash. Was, was really the, the thing there. The I 70s. don't like goatees. And I don't like stashes, but I, I I can go with a beard, a beard. I've never had a mustache. Hell no. Hell anyway, no. But anyway, Jason, our let's, buddy let's Jason. Go, uh, let's go. Let's go to the phones, people. We are gonna mad panic. Uh, call our friend Jason Hagen because he is currently doing a God, a, a little art a, project. A art project with him and his buddies at work. Yeah, to Nathan. see who can. I I think. We're gonna let him Go say the, his yeah. words. Yeah. Well, uh, Nathan, you Let's don't know much Jason about it. I had a little here. little bit of a conversation with. Him. I thought it was fascinating. He sent me a picture of it's fascinating the, that Jason's it, doing. Yeah, it. it was fascinating picture of himself with a mustache, and and I thought, you know, it it, it just intrigued me. Okay. Yeah. So we'll, we'll have that Jason posted on the blog too, so everybody can take a look at that. And we're gonna ask him about a little art project. It now. is a handsome stash, though. Oh. 
I'm gonna have to like speak loud, man. But uh, this is fun. All right, J Man. This is Jason. Jason. This is Nathan from Hear Me Now, brother. I'm giving you a call at your house. What's going on? How are you, Jay? Yeah, Seth's here with me too. Seth, say hi to him. Hi, Nate. Can you can you can you not speak so loud? You're really supposed to. You're really supposed to uh, introduce everybody when you're on speakerphone. You know. Am I I speaking too loud? No, you're fine. You're actually, if anything, too low, probably. Well, Jason, we were we were we were talking about the phenomenon here of uh, your your little uh, mustache. Endurance test. Will you tell us a little bit about that for the for the, the listening audience? Why the yeah, mustache, well, Jay? It, you know, sort of uh, began as a uh, a question, really. Uh, a buddy of mine who works with me, um, you know, he, he was growing out some facial hair and uh, was coming in kind of spotty. And uh, of course, the rest of us guys here, we have a full uh, face of hair. Um, yeah, no, not a lot. Not a lot of people come in all the way with the beards and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So his his hair was coming in kind of spotty, and uh, he proposed that maybe uh, we uh, you know switch to mustaches. Yeah. So <laughs> who was the first? Uh, you know, pass that thought around a who, little bit. Who was the first one that came? You know, just to get everybody on the same playing field. You know. Yeah, of course. Yeah, well, it's the great leveler, the mustache. Did you all yeah. come? So this was proposed, and then you all came in. Well, yeah, this was proposed, and uh, today, you know, we were expecting pretty much no one to show up with a mustache, and four four guys did. Showed up so, with the stashes. Uh, <laughs> that is some so silly we, uh, stuff. We, we answered the call, really, and uh, now it's a battle of endurance. See so if we can get you know through the rest of the week. So who went? Who, endurance. Wh- this is horrible. Yeah, it is pretty horrible. Endurance. Oh, yeah, J- yeah. Jason. At the end of yeah, this, we're getting we're getting shifty, you know, looks and uh, double takes, and uh, you know, so, some people don't even want to talk to us. You know, they're they're they're, they're kind of freaked out. You know. Yeah, Jay. At the at the end of this, Jay. At the end of this, like who? What do you get? Do, you, do one of you guys get fifty bucks, a bowl of chili, a beer? What do you guys get at the you end know, of this? You know, we, we haven't really uh, decided on a prize. You know, we didn't we didn't think it was actually going to happen. So, uh, you know, we're kind of we're kind of rolling with it right now. Yeah, there's got to be a prize. And, there's got to uh, be a prize. We'll try to think of a prize. Like know, you pretty, got pretty soon. You know, we got we got to up the stakes a little bit. So, so, yeah. so the, the the last man standing is this it? That's it. That's yeah. the that's yeah, the goal. That's kind of it. Yeah. So. We're thinking, you know, by by Friday or Saturday, you know, whoever hasn't cracked, you know, they're they're going to be the winner. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. so this is Jason. You're going to go home and is, just be like, "What the hell have I got on my face?" I, I, you, you raise a good question, Jason. Why, why on earth has it become such a uh, a triathlon to a triathlon, if you will, to have a mustache? Why is that such a um, a horrible? A defiled thing to have on your face. What's what is the rationale? What you've had conversations about this? Illuminate yeah. us. Yeah. Well, right now, I mean, uh, you know, the the mustache is not in style. Why? You know? Well, it's you know, it, it, it can you know make a boy you know not really look like a man. You know, uh, it, it makes men look. Creepy, creepy, you know, like yeah, yeah. Which, the definite sleaze factor you know, with the mustache. Kind of, you know, some of the comments that I've received today. You know, like, you know, people just don't really want to look at you. Oh, uh, do you have you know, the? They, 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 they kind of turn away. You know, it, it brings out the yeah. Side. It, it's kind of it's kind of hard to look at a guy, Jason. You know? You're not curling yeah, the. You know, the it, somehow go ahead, this was popular. You know, in the seventies and the eighties. You know, we must have had a lot of creeps out there. I, I don't know what's <laughs> really going on, but the, it was the epitome of fashion. Not acceptable today. It's so true. It's not acceptable, that. man. You know, we're, it, we're it's ride not. This no, they're they're going to get people's reactions and just you know see how much we can take. Really, you know. Okay, that is that That's is fun. Why we're doing it right. Well, Jason, we're going to check back on the front there in about, uh, well, the next podcast. We'll see how the, the, the facial hair and see who's lasting. We hope it's you, big guy. We hope you win. Yeah, yeah. You're the yeah, only one we've interviewed. Please, please. This is, you know, torture. What do you got to lose, Jay? Torture. Uh, well, I, day I, by day. I don't know if I have it in me to make it. 
Well, Seth, let me just, I'll just give you, an, for instance, Jay. I mean, it's its fun at work. Everybody's got it, and it's kind of the thing at work. But, you know, you go around you go around the corner. It's fun and games at work. Yeah, you go around the corner to Taco Bell, and, and you walk in, you say, I'll have a number four. The girl looks at your mustache, you know what I mean? Yeah. The girl's like, you know? It's, it's not sex appeal. If you can make, one goal would be to make, Somehow, one of your number, one of the males in your number, and I'm not discluding you, uh, somehow make it sexually appealing? Is there some way you could cut the stash? Some configuration on the face that could make it look... Um, maybe maybe go down. What well, what is that mustache that goes down and stops? At it isn't quite a goatee, but it kind of looks it's like a like it's a, a southern thing. You could cut it. You could cut stripes. Handlebar. You could cut stripes in there. You know. Well, no, it's it, it, it's not a handlebar. Yeah, it's more. Yeah, it's more of a of a, a southern thing. Yeah, we can't, we can't really do any yeah. styles. Like we sort of uh, lay down some ground rules. Oh, wider. Yeah, no wider. No, no, we can't even do that. We can't. We can't let it dip into the lips. We can't let it grow. Oh, there's know, rules. The it's fascinating. Mouth. Can't be bushy. It to, it's fascinating, man. It has to, uh, you know, be cut off at, at the corners of the mouth. So it's got to be like and, a, a, uh, a creepy mustache. Yeah. Yeah. Coiffed. Yeah. Coiffed. And uh, you know, we just can't. We can't really get crazy with it. We we all have to stay the same. And by the end of the week, you know, whatever mustache looks the best, that that'll be. Okay. the winner. Okay, so so this well you just you changed the rules here. I thought it was last man standing. Now it's 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 a beauty contest. <laughs> Between four last guys. Man standing. I, 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 I predict, you know, people cracking and, you know, falling off. Yeah. You know, there's only four of us, so, you know, we only have like right. three or four days left, so. Well, Jason, we're we're praying for you over here at Casa de right. Andersad. Uh and um, I would like you to send me some photos. We'll put those up on the blog spot. We have a whole spread uh, okay. coming to you fresh off the press. And okay, you can fascinating. Them up and let, let people decide. All right, and know? the and we'll uh, we'll uh, keep our our listeners posted on the winner, and we'll put all those photos up. And uh, I, I think it's a noble cause. Maybe maybe pointless. Maybe totally pointless, but <laughs> pointless, but noble. Yeah. I think uh, pointless is more like it. Yeah. yeah but it's yeah. socially. It's a but, it's a uh, it's an interesting social study. Uh, and on that level, I think it's worthwhile. Um, Thank you, Jason, okay. for being with us. Uh, we'll call you soon, all right, man? Okay, yeah, yeah. Call me later. All righty. Bye-bye, Jake. Good night. Well, I kind of wish he was doing it for, you know, growing mustaches for AIDS or, uh, you know, the mustache there, there grow-a-thon is, for peace. There is a group that grows mustaches for kids, That's, like it's for charity. Yeah. And then they shave them and give them to the kids. I mean, this is all silly, okay? This is all silly. Yeah. I was just thinking about it. You know, Jason works at Burbank, man. They're like, anytime he's outside of his building, people are going to think he's like an out-of-work porn star or something. Those so, mustaches just but don't it, fly but it in is Burbank. A, he brings up a question in... Um, uh, the changing attitudes towards how a man should look. I'm not going to mention much more it's about it because normal, ultimately normal it's just rebellion. bullshit. This is just ironic bullshit. Yeah, but silly. there is something. I remember growing a beard and having problems, having real problems with the women. Um, I don't know. I've, I've seen I, the contrary. So and I then, think but then enough. again, no. Then again, the girl I was with, she really asked me to grow a beard, and I didn't get it. I didn't get it because previously it would have been like, He's got to shave that rat's, rat's nest off his you gotta, face. you got to shave that pussy off your face. All right, so let's so we're move gonna go on. we're going to go into the movie episode. Movie episode, people. We've been waiting for good it. Lord. So, uh, good Lord. Good uh, Lord. Let's just get out of here for a little while. Woo!
So, uh, Oscar season is coming up, and here's our picks for the best films of 2005. It's really late. Really? No, it's not that late. I've still been seeing films that have come in under yeah, the I... under the wavelength, and there's some good stuff. There's mm-hmm. been some good stuff. So, but Nathan? Oh, six um, has a lot, too, so we're excited. Why don't we alternate? Instead of going my top five, and then your top five, and going... Why don't we alternate? Interesting. So, Interesting way to so slice did, it up. Did you number yours? I did. Best Ver- so hardcore concrete numbers. Okay, I know so, exactly what I want. So so best best and then best worst films of the year. This so, is the so best best best, films. best. Do you yeah. want to do best worst? No, best worst is funnier. It's funnier, so we'll put it at the end. All right. So uh, top five, number five. Do you want to so, go? So number five, go ahead. So what was your number five best film of two thousand five that made it that made it from all your two thousand? My list? top five film of the year is one I saw fairly recently, and it solidified my list. For a while, I had a hard time choosing the top mm-hmm. five. It's mm-hmm. just, it's tough. Ten would have been impossible. Ten, ten would be impossible. <laughs> Number five is Capote. Capote. Yes. Made your top, okay, top five. This one is all about performance. Acting and I think is Hoffman stellar. does deserve, does indeed deserve the Oscar for this film, for Best Actor. Just because he, he really he stepped out there. He kicks Heath Ledger's ass. It is a flashy performance, so now mm-hmm. that I think about it, I mean, it is one, of, of that film, he, he stands out. It is flashy when you first see it. I mean, it's just like, wow, he I, is, well, I have, he is I'm a gonna, goofball I, here. I have some notes on that. Now, Now, at first, I thought I, um, I wouldn't like it when I heard his voice. That's the number one thing. Boom. You go, oh, you hear him voice in that party sequence at the beginning. you got to give right? it time, yeah. But I feel it was one of those... Those bold things that's not only true to the way Capote, he, I guess he really talked that way. You know? Yeah. I guess he really talked that way. And, um, but it attacks, it attacks your sensibilities. And I feel like you, uh, everyone around him also talked in that heard him talk in that way, and they immediately were off-put. And the way you, your relationship with Capote changes is the way the people, the characters change like people mm-hmm. that don't know him so when he starts talking to them they're like oh who's this guy you know he's, he's kind of off-putting and then he starts kind of re- revealing that he's kind of real he's got these things that he draws you in and some of it's an act i think sometimes but the way he modulates himself the way hoffman is in control of his character it's something to watch i really think mm-hmm. it's something to watch this year capote definitely definitely worth a mention for his performance he deserves uh praise and he has been getting a lot of praise so very, very good choice there. Bad music, five. though. Bad music. Bad, bad music. Definitely, definitely. The the Frank Durabound syndrome. But overall, syndrome. overall, very steady first feature there, um, mm-hmm. by the director, and also makes you want to read In Cold Blood if you haven't read it. I mean, visit revisit. I thought you that had book. a copy, and I was I was joking. I do for just it one not, night and not you, here. You didn't have it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, my number five. I like I like my list. I I just want to say that that that. When I when I watch films, when I think about a whole year, I think about the rise and fall, and I do remember the ones that come very early in '05. Not to say any on my list are very early, but I do. I look at the whole year. I look at I look at the whole thing, and which ones really make a statement. And 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 I tried to just throw away the classes. I throw the, throw away classification. Throw away the genres I usually watch, and I just watched everything that looked semi interesting. And I even went into some that I didn't really consider exciting or anything else and that was this case with this one this is this is the modern remake of pride and prejudice number five on my list <laughs> pride and prejudice the kira knightley film the all right knightley film and it has all the classic characters from the you know the jane austen book and i'm not a fan of this normally i am not someone who goes and does this and it's it's a very interesting this, this was a very interesting film for me because uh, it, it was very cinematic this is a film that I mean, just just the minute you watch it, it has this poetic, lyrical quality. I just can't believe it. Just I haven't seen it myself. It's just so kind I... of dizzying. I mean, the the way he, where he places the camera and and how he gets in your head. You are you are in this era with these people, hmm. and and that's what I like about films. That's what I like. And, and films do period very well. This, yeah. These period films. Yeah. This this remind me of Barry well, Lyndon. This reminded me of The Duelist. This this was this. It reminded you of Barry of The, the Duelist. There the Bar- is. No, I'm Man. not saying thematically. I'm not saying action oriented. And I think a lot of uh, a I'm lot speechless. of people. I think a lot of people just yeah might be maybe surprised by that for me picking this. But it, and and not Knight- just because it's just it's not a romantic light film. This this is a film with real stakes. 
I Does really it, okay. So I wanted to reading Cold Blood. Do you want to read Jane Austen now? Uh, Do you want to crack open? A, I think crack what's open exciting about this and what's and what hasn't been exciting about the previous Jane Austen interpretation of Pride and Prejudice. There's a good one with Colin Firth on TV. These are ones. These are <laughs> ones. About that one. These are ones that are. Um, they do. They are rigid to the structure of the of the novel, and it makes you do yeah. kind of are curious of the novel. But but those are kind of stodgy. Those really don't read well now. This one was a cinematic experience, and it doesn't mm-hmm. make me want to read the book because I do feel like it exists in and on just a cinematic plane. This was a this was like a painting of that era. It really is like a Winslow. You know. I mean, okay. Well, just to conclude, anyway, you know what we've got to watch. We've got to watch there. the. Um, I know it's Edith Wharton, but we should watch The House of Mirth. For some reason, the I House really want Mirth. to see that. The, some, these, these now I am curious about the yeah. potential of, of, of actually, you know, I was yeah. relating to the characters of this period. So number five, Pride and Prejudice. Number four for me. Some people are going to have a problem with this. Some I'm, of my friends are going to have a problem with this. Last Days is number four. Last Days. Did that, has Van that Sand. made your list? I bet you it hasn't made your list. It hasn't, no. Okay. Honorable and mention, I, though. Um, um, okay, well, I know a lot of people won't like this, but it, for me, it's the most successful Van Sant film in his new style, whatever that is. He he started it with uh, Jerry and continued with Elephant. Mm-hmm. And Elephant is more accessible, but as far as what he's going for, I, I just really think Van Sant is, is hitting it. I think he's getting somewhere with it. Mm-hmm. I think he's making traction with this style, this observing, uh, long takes, um, uh, not really worried about narrative. I mean, there's narrative in the film, and I also think that this is the way that you deal with a story like Cobain, that you deal with a biopic. Capote still flirts with the the, the walk the line shit, which will not be appearing on our list because of its conventional conventionality. Yeah, it's just been. Done. I have a problem with biopics, and I've got two here. I've yeah, got two here. Capote was also a, Capote is, but Capote is about. The, the act of creation of his master. And he's really too. not central to the film either. I mean, yeah. Capote is there. He is he is considered the main character. The film is named after him, but events happen it's, around it's him. It's a it's about the work that he was making at the time. It's not about Capote's whole life, even though tangentially it kind of comes together with his life. A lot of what in, the making of In Cold Blood deals with what Capote was. But this how he but was. last days. But is last not, days not like that. Last days is this you know four days or whatever three days of this guy going through his. Last few days, avoid of his vaguely art. Cobainish. I mean, there, there is some there point where he plays there, music. No, I really think the one scene that stands out, in contrast to what you're saying, is the scene where he creates a song in one shot, and you're looking through a window, and it is one of the great cinematic kind of ways of showing the act of creation, the way he forms the drums, and then he puts the guitar on, then he puts the bass, and then he's looping his vocals over it, and it's just so. I don't know. There's just something exciting about the way Van Sant is making films. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the great experiences in the theater. I remember just looking at it and going, this is how you do Cobain, how you do him yeah. justice. And how all these people were around him and, and they wanted to kind of his help and they were giving him lyrics and stuff like that. And he was just oblivious. It's really about his isolation. And how I mean, he was really just, nothing about... was helping him. Nothing was there for him. So that, I just think, I just... That's a depressing film though. Last Days... Uh, it's definitely on my honorable mention list of the, of the best, and I think it's one of the most exquisitely shot films. But it's totally very good. It, it's it's hard I to think. just lay on people. I think I yeah. think people need to be not in the so mood. much about the actors in it. Even I'm just talking about what he's going for and and, it and how it back. treats its subject. It, it does step back from the Kurt Cobain. And, and, it could be about yeah. any artist who. Although going Kurt Loder through. makes an appearance, there is real real like. St- and also, there's a lot of stuff going on in Munich and a lot of the films of '05 where people are using like. You know, real footage in there, and there's a po- photo of Truman Capote in the, you know, a real shot of, I don't know, just kind of putting real life yeah. in. Kind of the Harvey P. Carr thing. That's an interesting choice. It is. Uh, you got two of those right, right next What's to each other. What's your number four? Number four, Caché, Hidden. This is this is the Mikhail Haneke, Australian filmmaker I two really, films I have not I seen. really enjoy. It, this is someone who, if other if people know who I'm talking about with Haneke, I mean, you you do know what you're getting into when you when you purchase a ticket and uh, walk seen, in the I've theater. I've seen Code Unknown, and that was it was impenetrable. <laughs> his work, his work. Well, I mean, yeah, Code Unknown. There's some step outs. Uh, uh, the piano player, which which made rock and roll business uh, in Europe and came through here and became kind of an oddity. Uh, Time of the Wolf. I I really believe his last film before 
uh, cachet was really excellently done too with uh, Isabella Hubert, who he works with again. Julia Binoche is in cachet, and and she it's fun to see her uh, in, in movies in general, but to mm-hmm. see her as kind of this. Um, Elderly woman, uh, or just a, uh, an older Carol character in. So she's in, getting older. Before she does look she older. Plays older. She, she, but yeah. she's still strong, and she still found this character that seemingly. And I guess there's a and there's a scene in there that's very disturbing. There's a, a scene. scene there's scenes with every Henneke film where you're, you're just you're. There is a point where it's, you ebb and flow where you're at ease, and then he does something, and you're completely just uncomfortable and, and you leave the theater also, uncomfortable. Also plays with surveillance footage kind of techniques too, right? Like, yeah, I guess the brief, the, first the shot, brief yeah. synopsis of the film is just these, this European couple, uh, upper middle class, very successful, uh, couple and their young son receive these videotapes just of the exterior of their house, just the front. Ooh. And then it slowly becomes, uh, apparent that the video, the person taking this video has an ulterior motive against the father uh, there's there's scenes it, of his home. Does it deal with home. Algiers or something like the? There 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 is there's uh, Henneke is not a very political filmmaker, which I which I appreciate, but he does include some political with the Algerian war and some of the refugees and how they were misplaced and never found a home again. So so home and family is central to Cachet, yeah. and I I really think I, when you come out of it, this is the most this is the film I thought about the most. This is the really? film that does stick okay. with me of of oh five. Just in, in terms of trying to decipher, it is an, it is mysterious, like all of Haneke's film. But it really gets under the skin in in, in an interesting way. And and films haven't been doing that for me. Same ever. here. Same. I mean, here. Uh, th- th- uh, this film is disturbing. You come out kind of just leveled and and depressed in a way. But uh, that is its intention, and there's no other way for it to come across in uh, cash. All right. So well, number three for people me. People like his film. Go number three. Out. Uh, good night and good luck. Good night and good luck. George Clooney's. George Clooney's. You added that on. George Clooney uh, really is coming out on his own in this one, in my opinion. Yeah. Okay. I, um, I, 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 I thought I, I, when we were talking about just the list too. Good, good night and luck. Uh, all the Oscar choices I found uh, were kind of melting off my list. I mean, some of them are honored surprisingly at the Oscars with good night and good luck, and we'll mention about mm-hmm. some of the other ones mentioned. Um, I, 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 I love a lot of things about the film. I like um, its concepts about what television could be ultimately. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the last thing. What television should be, what journalism should be. I love Strathern's performance. I love how um, it's unpretentious. It's, it's very much matter of fact. The minute he, the first shot with him where he just starts talking, it's not this big thing, oh, there's Edward R. Murrow. It's just this thing where he's doing his job. Um, not flashy, kind of in contrast to to Hoffman. Even though I do still think Hoffman deserves what he's probably going to get. Um, he's more showier, though. It's more of a showman's piece. And I, I just I like what he's trying to do. It's conscious of what is going on with current, just what's going on currently. It's a kind of film that it just isn't made very much anymore. It, and yeah, I love it, that Clo- love that Clooney's doing it. Just I just love that Clooney's doing it. It is interesting his half life as a director. It's it's interesting to see Using what he's his doing. Using his stardom, so. I, well, probably he, his his stories are compelling. His, the subject matter he's into is compelling. Also, you you get this idea. I don't think it puts Murrow up on a high pedestal like other films would. I think it, you can see that the people around him are like, "Oh, that's fucking Murrow. Stay back," you know. But but at the same time, the performance isn't like glorifying him it doesn't make him i mean it does have that ending that people have kind of criticized but i where he's like you know i'm a legend or whatever but well, i gotta don't put it in that it, context i don't think it mythologizes murrow that much i think it's a very clean type yeah. film so that's, that's <clears throat> and i just love you know socially conscious that's I it, put huh? it down there i've got to put number it on three the list. yeah interesting for what it's trying to do so uh, this is a popular one and i think it's going to be on your list just in, in our in our realm, my number three is the New World by Terrence Malick. Okay, uh, I, I do, we do have to, you do have to include that in the O five list. And I, 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 I really, I don't want to just, I don't want to just clamor about all of his previous work. We own Malick. He, he's kind of a Terrence, Terrence Malick. Yes, uh, one is, of our great favorite, favorite, favorite. He's someone who comes out favorite. every once in a while, every ten years, and makes a, a film that just kind of knocks everybody's ass, and and it's timeless. I mean, there's there's nothing in this film. Uh, that's gonna be appreciated in 05. The audience, there's no audience for this film, and and I I rather just have people see it. I do recommend it. I do recommend it. I don't wanna I don't wanna go gushy gushy about 
all the stuff. I know you're going to mention some of the well, stuff. Well, I'll, I'll talk about it probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not to. But I, I'd rather not. I just think I just think it's really strong and it needs to be high on my list. And I think people should go see it if they're curious at all about a, a historical epic by Terrence Malick because it really is the epic that Titanic should have been. That's all I'm going to say about it. All right. But the New World number three. Number two for me is Grizzly Man. <laughs> Grizzly Man. Uh, number two. That's, this that's is a shameful. this is a uh, worldwide web favorite for us. This is this is uh, yeah. This is go ahead. I want to hear. We've been your... raving about this film for a long time. We've we've mentioned um, it at length on Hear Me Now, brother. I've got a lot of things about it. There's incredible footage. There's a lot of things going into this. There's just, a big, just big incredible guy. found footage by Timothy Great Treadwell. Footage. Timothy Treadwell, who, uh, if you didn't know about it, it's a, it's a documentary by a guy named Werner Herzog, who uh, appeared in our previous uh, episode with the News of the Awesome, a great director if you haven't seen any of his work. Cobra Verde, give me a break. It's got it's got the best stuff. Anyway, uh, alternately, uh, Treadwell is off-putting, somehow likable, and yet very, very, very troubled. Uh, Something about the way he puts his previous life experience into what he did. Mm -hmm. It was this depressing story that culminated in getting slaughtered by a bear. Yeah, well, um, and, and, and some could say just, some could say doing what he loved. I mean, there, there's yeah, but, there's a point where obsession <laughs> becomes get his psychosis out of the way. Sometimes with Treadwell, it's hard to couldn't. it's hard to, and that's that's really the linchpin of why it's so fascinating. Yeah. Um, he and he it's a great he, subject, he yes. literally defies nature and lives with Alaskan bears for thirteen um, summers, and uh, eventually is killed on the thirteenth summer with his girlfriend in tow. It is very it is startling. one of the best documentaries I've ever seen, and possibly the greatest. Film I've ever seen by Werner Herzog. I, I think it's one of his best films. Uh, it is regardless his best of, documentary. I, 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 he 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 mentions how he sees them as split. Herzog sees as uh, there's fiction and then nonfiction. He doesn't see it that way. He it's thinks Fritz. Fun, yeah. He thinks Fritz Corraldo is his best nonfiction film, his best documentary, and he says his best fiction film is Grizzly Man. So it's very interesting to to because his documentaries are unlike anyone else's. And I I may, this may come up on my list a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah but but um. So I don't want to Herzog say too much. ultimately is here's why it was number one. No, it wasn't number one. Herzog comes from a point of view that I don't. He's kind of a pessimist, and he and he he deals with his. There's something cold about him ultimately that I've always had with his work. Same mm-hmm. with David Lynch, to be honest with you. And I love their work. I I am endlessly inspired by their work, but there's just something. It can fall. It. it can fall into pretension. I would have dealt with the footage different, differently. So number two, that's it, Grizzly Man, and I love it. Don't don't get me wrong. Number two, I had a hard time not making it number one because it really is, and for all intents and purposes, should yeah. be number one. That's but, great. That's great. It is. It is one. Of, I mean, considered all the lists it's been on, it is. It is. And almost I can't critic believe it isn't too. on the Oscar. Yeah, it's, uh, almost, it's just so stimulating. So sad that it's not an Oscar nominee. So yeah, a big snub there on the Oscars for the best documentary. So number two, this uh, speaking of documentary, my number two. This has been a documentary year, and it has been uh, kind of a resurgence of of wildlife documentaries. I mean, there was a great Carol Ballard film, Duma, and there was also uh, the Wild Parrots of Telegraph Hill that came out. These are both independently made documentaries, mm-hmm. uh, wilderness documentaries. Mm-hmm. And mine is one that was more high profile. Number two is March of the Penguins. Okay. Mm-hmm. I've never seen. So you've seen a lot of these that I um, have not seen. And you're these are the ones I listen, braved. You're making me nervous. These are these are the ones I braved in the theater and not mm-hmm. knowing what it was. But March of the Penguins said this this movie <laughs> this movie is just I can't believe you. This movie is just startling. This movie has it all. All right. When I go <laughs> see a movie, I do want everything in the kitchen sink. And this movie has it, man. This movie has love. This movie has friendship. This movie has death. This movie has sadness. This movie oh has. My- you just haven't talked uh, about mystery. it at all. Uh, you haven't talked about there it There is all. this place where these empire penguins travel outside of where they should be. In the, 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 I mean, they travel to this circle, this, this mythic circle where they have to visit, and this is where their mating ritual. And this documents the six-month period of their mating rituals where they really have to rely on each other and some of the eggs don't make it and it's just oh, it, it's really it's That's really a metaphor about hunted or something i just I, it is I not that mainstream it good. it's not that mainstream it, it really isn't it is really uh, uh it is really something that 
uh, human eyes haven't seen before. And that's oh. why March of the Penguins really was successful. But it is family-friendly, and that's why it did so well. But if you really look back on the uh, on the highest-grossing films of the year, March of the Penguins is there. And it's not because it's it's just... Slap Amazing. happy. Amazing. It is. It is really an incredibly shot film. It is incredible. It's incredible to witness. You, you right. will never well, see anything like that again. I'm number two, go out and rent it. I'm going to go out and rent it. Everybody should. My number one, and I know you know it's coming, and and it was tough to edge it out over Grizzly Man, but I decided finally that it did it for me. Uh, well, I'm, I'm pleased that our our lists are so so sabbatical. So yes, New World is number one. New World me. by and Terry Malick. It was by a hair. By but a wild is, Colin Farrell hair. <laughs> but it is my number one film of the year. Terrence Malick does, does something for me this year that I needed when I watched the film. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was not around was all that the modern audience I was around. And, and, um, experience in the theater. Yes. So, um, it's what I like about movies, man. Just like why I, I said, you know, the the band I chose for number one, MA3, I just, for my music, I just, it, it does what I need. It's visually compelling. It's spiritually compelling. It's narratively compelling. It's constructed well. It's edited. The, the acting is exactly the way I like it. It doesn't pull its punches. It doesn't, it doesn't tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. It just does everything I want. And the music was there. James Horner, the music was there for me. I really think people just need to find it on the And I thought it was narratively concise. I thought it was narratively concise. I did not think it was that off-putting. I did not think it was that. For a longer film, it it really holds together beautifully. Um, A lot of people that we watched it with, I knew that their reaction would be that way. And I've dealt with that. I've dealt with that before with a movie that I've just been, you know, kind of enjoyed Nobody's going to find it. And I can't just go recommend this to just anybody. I remember I stopped doing that when I recommended Eyes Wide Shut and somebody came back to me and was just pissed. They were just angry with me. So I'm like, I'm not going to just recommend. No, no, I'm not even going to say you're silly. It's just not for everybody. No, just silly situations, Um, you know? But good performances already... Some would argue it goes all the way, but I just here's one of the things that I wrote down. It's it's it utilizes narrative and editing to help render its overall atmosphere and ultimate point. It's uh, life in this forest wouldn't be concrete in the way it would be in modern life. Um, it would be sort of dreamlike the way they interact with this world that they have, mm-hmm. the way their history had culminated up to that. Seeing these people and the way. They interact when the way Pocahontas, who's never named in the film, which I love, the way she interacts with England, modern England at the time, how concrete it is, how, you know, the nine to five job versus the guy that lives in the wilderness and doesn't know what time is. There's something that he's dealing with there that I don't think a lot of people are talking about, you know, and that's why he shoots it in this dreamlike way. And that's why John Smith would be interested in it, because he's interested in adventures, not only physically, but emotionally. And maybe not so much in love. And you can't help but love Kilcher in that film. You can't help but love Pocahontas. Pocahontas. And it's not because of the way she looks. It's because of what she represents this thing that – this intangible kind of thing about love that we all want with someone. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm being really pretentious here. I'm really being just <laughs> – No, like, I, I, that's why I omitted what I was going to say about but, New World because I knew you were going to be he's so He's dealing obsessive. with a lot of stuff that I love to see dealt with in film. And, and I just – I – I think it, and he's doing things with narrative that I want to do with film, um, and that's it. Number one, man. New Number world. one on the bullet. It, I haven't liked films this year. I really wasn't a big film goer this year, or loving films this year, and that was one of the films that hit me. So, Great. Yeah, there it so, is. So, no big cement goes. slabs. Five, four, three, two, and one. So much has been said. You're speaking too loud, motherfucker. Pop will eat itself. So much has been said about this film. Grizzly Man, yeah, and, I, and, and, yeah. and Grizzly Man it should is have just, been bo- probably. It has to be right before you came here. I watched the White Diamond, the documentary he did right smack dab before uh, Grizzly Man about this wonderful experimental aircraft voyage, and there was a tragedy involved. It is an incredible film. In line, I think a lot of people should go back to both Wheel and Wheel of Time and uh, the White Diamond and see the documentaries he's making now. He's shooting them on high definition video. He's getting in there. He's getting out of there. Uh, the soundtracks are amazing. He, him, he himself is amazing. And one thing, just just to mention, on top of all we've said about Herzog, just as a person and as a filmmaker, uh, there's there's a real special quality to his documentaries. When he films a subject, he he gets he gets the shot. He gets mm-hmm. the shot. He gets they, they say they say what they need to say. 
uh, and then they stop. And there's this hesitation where where the document where a normal documentary filmmaker would stop. Herzog lets it go, dare I say, thirty seconds to a minute longer on the subject. And that and what happens there is there's a lull. The person had a prepared speech. They say it to the camera and they stop. And there's this moment where the subject stops. Yeah, what do I? And do Herzog now? just yeah. is there. I think Herzog just stared and looking at him. He doesn't ask a question. Or anything. Who knows what he's doing behind? And that there's camera, this yeah. awkward, embarrassing human moment. And in that moment, there's a point where the the subject is scrambling to say something. It's in their mind. They're like, "Oh, the camera's on me. I, I, he might use this in the film, and I don't want to look like an idiot." Yeah, All right. this is flashing on the subject's mind, and it's so interesting to see a person do that. And, and and then, usually in that nervousness, they come out with the thing that they they probably swore to themselves they wouldn't say. You think and that's, that's why it, like a, a tactic he, he uses? Uh, maybe? I just I just think it's something that happens with two human beings. If I stopped with a total stranger. Uh, and, and I was filming them with a camera. It's and they're very talking about intimate things in this film, yeah. A, 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 but but Her, Her, Herzog keep, keeps pressing the point to where mm-hmm. when it when he stops, he knows that he wants the subject to comment about the thing that he wasn't saying. And mm-hmm. and and there's a moment where the guy scrambles and he says it. It happened in both White Diamond and it happens quite a bit in Grizzly Man with the subjects other than Treadwell that he. Interviewed. I wish he would have gotten an interview with Treadwell. So <laughs> so that is just. I mean, if you're interested, if you're not interested in document documentary filmmaking, uh, this is this is a one on one of someone who really knows how to get what he wants. That truth, that aesthetic truth, the ecstatic truth of what mm-hmm. Herzog is mm-hmm. after. So number one. Man. Um, Nathan, I think we've run Where out of time for our best worst, and I think we should put it on to the next episode. What do you think about that? I'm just, sure. put, I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think, think our best worst deserves, deserves some, some time. And I don't want to. I don't want to short shrift it. But uh, some some quick honorable mentions. Did you have any? I had I had a few. Uh, uh, hustle and flow, except for the ending. Yeah. Uh, real fast, oh, Capote. Mm-hmm. I have I have to mention Capote, Last Days, like we mentioned, Good Night and Good Luck. I mean, these are these are movies that are are some of the best of the year, and there's only a handful here if we're going to mm-hmm. do a top ten. Uh, Brokeback Mountain was considered was considered on our list. I, I, I it, it didn't age well. It uh, part of me has 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 left Brokeback and can never go back to Brokeback. Uh, Howl's Moving Castle is one that came early in the year. Uh, we, uh, Mizaki's animation. Really <laughs> I got to use the bathroom. Really uh, Seth's going to go you, take a pee. Yeah, I got to use a bathroom. You just keep talking. You just keep talking. It's a podcast. And, uh, yeah, and Howl's Moving Castle is a Mizuki film. He did uh, Spirited Away and some other uh, some other great animated films. And and he, he his work's kind of overlooked, but uh, Seth's, gonna, Seth's taking a piss here in the Hear Me Now Brothers studios, and I just, you know, I just want to be here with you guys. I want to be here with you guys. I mean, you know, we, we like sharing our films, and we like uh, making films, and... Uh, Oh, Seth. Uh, I mean, I wasn't. I, I was just. Okay, and uh, I don't know if you mentioned a couple of them, but uh, for a long time I had Squid and the Whale on there. Uh, I, thought nah, it was, I, I thought it was something. I thought it was something. I had I had Junebug on there. Junebug almost Junebug, made it to my list. And I had. Uh, I, well, I I thought flirt- furtively about Serenity because I thought it was so fun. I really had a good time when we watched it at midnight last. I'm being the best of the worst, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's it. So Take that's our list leave it of 05. Take it or leave it for best. Booms you shouldn't have a seat. 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 Dooms you shouldn't have a seat. Dooms you shouldn't have a
we've been listening to a lot of movie review places like Cinecast, and they, and they, they do a pretty good job yeah, of taking care of new movies and eloquently sort of elucidating on the movies of the day and all the themes that are going through them and, and what's, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's, what's valuable about them and all that stuff. But, but you know what? Nobody's talking about the movies that somehow left a mark on our lives. We talked about it in episode one, you know, Superman 3. You kind of just said and, it. And, movies and, that made a mark on us. Movies that somehow made movies a mark. mark our hearts. But I think I forgot that I saw them at all. And then when somebody goes, oh, have you ever seen this? And you go, oh, my God, I did watch that. Oh, my God. I totally forgot that in the that theater. happened in my life. And I, and I sat in the theater and, and, and saw that. So we're going to – movies that fit that bill – you only know it when you when somebody brings it up. Yeah. And Nathan came up with The Edge. <laughs> the uh, Edge. The Edge last week. And, and this is the beginning of our series of cogent, intelligent reviews of movies that probably don't merit them. Yeah. And we'll face it right after that. I mean, the Edge does not merit a sound. You are going to hear some in-depth stuff yeah. about The Edge right This here. is a sight and sound review of The Edge, and it never deserved one. Let's talk briefly about the pretext for them going out and, and getting lost and going to the edge. Well, what's really silly. Okay, it's, first, it's, it's, you know, I, I everybody like... arrives at this lodge in the beginning. Everybody arrives. Mickey, Elle McPherson, she's about six, seven. And, no, she's and... she's nine foot tall. <laughs> she looks, <laughs> no. compared to Tony Hopkins, she looks like a man. She, she, she looks she's like wa- she's... if a supermodel made it with a giraffe, Elle McPherson would pop right out of there. Yeah. I mean, she's got a wild kind of longish neck and kind of... Can turn her head completely around. She, she was my favorite. Weirdo. She was my favorite Sports Illustrated novel. But I can see why she never had a movie career because this is the pits. And the whole th- the whole movie sets that up right away. Like he's an older man with this. She's with him because of the money. Paranoid. But he is he's too smart not to think something's going on, man. And something is going on with Bob Green, right? That we do find out. Everyone's smarter than than him, Mister Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin looks good in this. Huh? Alec, is... uh, pre-fat Alec Baldwin. Pre-fat. I mean, pre- I think pre-voiceover narration career. Almost Alec Baldwin, all yeah. the Baldwins get a little heavy near the end, right? Even yeah, yeah they they have they they still have Billy? the pretty faces, but they're all big. Yeah, Alex, my favorite though. Alex, I got to say that right here. Mid Kim Basinger, right? He's he's in the middle of Kim. I mean, he's juggled. He's juggled action, drama, yeah. comedy, in, in good turns. You know, he's Beetlejuice. He was thin and uh, Hunt for October. And G- give him give him the step by step here when they go out to the lodge. So uh, they go out to the lodge, <laughs> and I don't know why Tony's with her. He's just going to like spy or something. I don't know what. I think he's interested in the 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 setting. He's like, oh, you're going to Alaska. Shit, I'm I'm so rich that I don't really need to do Maybe anything. He's funding it I'm just going to go with you, and I. They never explain. They that's never not explain. that's not in the text, Nate. That's not in the text. He's just like. So they're taking pictures of Elle McPherson and her Adam and the ants eye makeup, right? She's yeah. got the little like. It's football. more Native American, yeah. It's yeah. like a Native American glare. And they're taking pictures of her, and, and the they're like, the the dude, the black dude with dreads. Oh, the gentleman of color with dreads. That's Harold. Yeah, he he's like, oh, dude, our primary that's... male model is sick. He's so sick. He's sick, man. He's it's sick. Like, and that kickstarts the plot. That kickstarts the edge, because they're like, like Baldwin catches uh, catches sight of some dude in so the photograph. So the male model he, that's gonna take pictures with Elma Pearson is sick. He's not there. Yeah. So in a previous, the scene, whole pretext of the goddamn movie is like, I gotta find a model. And Baldwin's real erratic. He's just like fi- trying to find something. Yeah, He's that's very real. Underrated. That's real. There's like, a picture in the lodge. When he goes to this lodge, there's this picture of this Native American man, and, and he's like, this is the guy. This is the guy we got to get. And so they go on this manhunt for this guy. Yeah, he's who, like, oh, he's fishing up north 90 miles up. Has no screen time. We don't even know. He always sees the yeah. picture, and it's a guy that we kind of know. He's been in other movies. I kind of like how absurd that is, though. It's very absurd. So so then they invite I don't like Hopkins. The, the plot. Ellen McPherson stays, thank Christ. Can you imagine her out in Alaska with these oh. guys when the edge happens? Yeah. I mean, that could have happened quite conceivably. So no. Alec Baldwin takes Anthony... No. Well, not in this movie. It's a Mammon Man movie, all right? Al McPherson, you can stay home, it's honey. It's Alpha Male. So you got Anthony Hopkins, Stephen. What, what did color. she say to him? There's a line where she's like, why didn't you go? And, and he's like, yeah, maybe it'd be fun. Yeah. He's like, yeah. He's Come on, like, Stephen. He's, like, yeah. he's like, yeah, he's like, Come on, Charles, let's have an adventure. Alec Baldwin comes with Okay, and, well, and uh, we got to mention before all this 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 horrendous adventure happens where they go and they, and they crash this plane... Uh, Charles, Anthony Hopkins' character, gets a little book. Surviving in the Wilderness. How, how much more boneheadedly <laughs> obvious could you, could you just And it's get? given to him by his secretary before he left. Um, they, uh, it culminates in my favorite scene in the movie, as it happens, incidentally. Um, my favorite scene in the movie is when they're in the airplane. And the, the real conflict <laughs> between Hopkins, Alec Baldwin and Tony Hopkins comes out. They're like, so we're going to go more 90 miles, eh? 
he's kind of in his he's in his he's in his like so tell me bob yes how are you planning to kill me and it's like right there right yeah. there the pilot's like oh fuck hold on <laughs> yeah you guys are, oh fuck hold on and, and there's birds come out bird you get trapped in like, a bird yeah, the way that the way it happens is like oh fuck it. there's like i know that the director lee tamahuri who's you know lee tamahuri was going for a real kind of climactic moment there was like hype trying to kill me it's like oh god oh my god you know the audience is supposed so to how like you really to really about? going for some direction there like a very apparent direction yeah it's very just written, but... doesn't happen with the pace. They go down into Wyoming or whatever place they were at. They shot it actually in Canada, believe it yeah, or not. I'm sure Alberta, Canada, and uh, that doubles for Alaska these days. I guess it looks all the it's same. It's closer than Alaska, and, and Alaska's just difficult. I gotta fly. The you know, they got the sun up all year round. So, so bam, anyway, the edge happens. Pilot dies. They they go through an odyssey of pain and and redemption. Something funny about. I, I don't want to reiterate the plot, Nate. Let's just talk about the themes. <laughs> Something of this funny film. about Hopkins, though. All right, when you look at him just straight on, he's kind of he's da- he's dashing. He's handsome. He's got really intense eyes. Yeah, he's almost yeah. kind of got a dangerous mm-hmm. look, and he looks half his age. All right, mm-hmm. but if you if you if you see him in profile or kind of a three quarter view, man, he looks like he looks like an elderly man. He looks like Bob Hope. <laughs> when he turns his head, Bob he, Hope when his eyes were bleeding. I mean, when he was he, about to die. It's strange yeah. though i mean like you remember him in silence of the lambs he could have been a young kind of intense cool kind looking of, guy but but never, but yeah, but, yeah straight on current <laughs> profile not i mean both these guys go through a, a kind of a funny kind of disintegration in the film i mean they get can, dirtier, I, can I talk about the black guy and, you want to talk about Steven? The gentleman of color, Steven? <laughs> you want to talk about Steven getting killed okay, by well, Bart well, the Bear? Well, he's sort of this uh, vaguely Chris Rockish looking. Um, he's He is uh, currently on Lost. Yeah, and, he, and Lost. he's on Lost, and he, and he has an unfortunate part. He plays, let's face it, Nate, he plays the Star Trek red shirt. Well, okay. that, the stakes need to be raised at a point where he gets torn in half by Bear. But and boy, does I, he get I killed. I spoiled it early on, yeah. Yeah, he, he gets killed Especially real bad. Especially after Ferocious Bear brutally kills Steven. And, and this... <laughs> What, you found it strange too, right? You found the scene. Well, let's let's back up a little bit. He stabs himself like a dumb fuck. First of all, well, he's trying to make a spear, and he yeah. cuts. You know, yeah. you, you cut away from you, Stephen. You cut away from you, not towards you. And he cuts. The he was, big he was, chunk whittle, out of he his was whittling a spear, literally. That's how <laughs> he's lame. Like, like how incredibly come, lame is this film? Yeah, Hopkins comes up to me. He's let's like, Stephen, Stephen. <laughs> is his name Stephen? <laughs> yeah. He says, Stephen, I need you to make a spear with this knife. And and, uh, and then he goes over to Baldwin. He's like, he's like, man, we're all gonna fucking die. He's like, be calm, be calm, Bob. Yeah, he's always, I'm he's having Stephen being... make a Steve because he, you know I'm having Stephen make a spear because he was he was losing his shit. You know, like Hopkins is all under but, control. But later, the blood thing comes. You know, he stabbed himself. The blood thing well, comes this... about because Bart the Bear can smell blood, and then Baldwin. But that's a betrayal. You know, Baldwin signs Steve's death warrant. By by leaving his underwear up in the fucking trees. Yep. There's blood in the air. You should have buried the pe- You know, he tells Alec Baldwin, Anthony Hopkins says, bury this. You know, he knows everything from, from this little book that he lost. He uh, he knows everything about a bear, supposedly, because he's a bookworm. And he knows I, I just don't like this Jaws the Revenge bullshit with Bart the Bear. In real life, these guys would have died of malnutrition, and they would have just died of exposure. Set there in Alaska. You know what I mean? But you got this bear chasing after them but, but it brings them this, to the edge let's talk about this yeah the edge and one of the edges that they come up against is this, is this amazing scene of non-cg bear mauling i don't know how they where do. where it looks like a real man is dragged steve. by the jaws steve is dragged by the jaws by the leg just kind of thrown around and it doesn't look fake it's an unbelievably shot film because i mean unbelievably shot scene like yeah, this don't bear say come, film not scene. film film yeah. but 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 Oh come on! It's okay, just no, stock I, photography. I won't go too far. I won't go too far. Uh, but but it's shot better than Lord of the Rings. That's all I'm gonna say. Uh, as in scenic panoramas. Uh, this bear <laughs> comes in, just charges. He's like, "Oh fuck! I hurt myself. I can't believe I did it, man!" And then and then yeah, it's the same thing with the bear. But it's like, I knew you were coming this time. You know, it's just like it's really gross though when that it's when racist. Steven goes down. It's racist. Well, he just happens to be. You know, I don't think there's any. <laughs> David Mamet's a pretty straight arrow. Uh, so you got all that stuff. He's a misogynist, but he's, he's so no So you got racist. this really intense bear scene. And, and after that, after that, it's pretty intense, all right? These guys plan, the, the, the remaining boys out in the wilderness plan to, uh, plan to kill the bear. Yes. We're going to kill the motherfucker, is what Alec Baldwin, or uh, what Anthony Hopkins says. And they make spears, and they assume that the bear is going to rage up on its hind legs and fall down. On the spear, if it charges them. But this is one smart bear. But this is one smart bear that one, is tracking One smart-ass bear. 
That, but, the, the whole scene where they're taking down the bear. I mean, this is in the middle of the movie. The second act, probably it's, the it's, best it, part of the film. I think it's the primary action sequence of the film. It's the showstopper. It, it, it's unbelievable. The way I, they the way they cultivate their resources. They make a flame circle around themselves. Here we it's go. just whole elaborate sequence. You, sh- you is, should talk is, about uh, it a little Lisa bit because it is the showstopper. Kruba, Kruba Nikki review uh, as is on Internet Movie Database. I found. Um, <laughs> Let me do a little... Uh, yeah, it just makes full use of Alaskan setting. Actually filmed in Canada. Okay. For its majestic mountain of grandeur. Okay. But but it's action scenes and it, and believable action intensity scenes between there's, Hopkins. There's really only... This, this, cites, this cites it. Believable intensity between Hopkins and the bear. That will keep put viewers on the edges <laughs> edges of their seats. This bear just just swipes at him and knocks Baldwin about 10 yards into this other pond. He just smacks Baldwin in the face with And just claw. comes for Hopkins. And it's mano a mano. It's bear versus man. And, and you're not really, you don't really see that coming. And when you see when you read the cover of the edge, it's like all well, right. they're, they're they're vaguely screaming over some threat. No, but there's a really funny scene. They kill the bear, they skin the bear, they eat their oh, their oh yeah, I've got something about their fashion. And sense, they yeah. and the fashion chain, the whole look of the film radically changes. These guys are mountain men now. They are wearing uh, hair. Yeah, no, Hopkins is wearing a peacoat out of yeah, a bear. Out of yeah. a bear. These it looks guys, really awesome looking. It's it's incredibly co- incredible costume design. They are they're bear men. <laughs> Truly a priceless piece of late '90s cinematic gratuity. They get to the this cabin now and it's unabandoned they break the door down there's guns in there and there's liquor and they have a map mm-hmm. and a canoe that's very near the the lodge that they find and they're and so they have salvation they're going to take the river out and they'll be fine by morning but now he got the whole plot where he's like i do want to kill you for your wife yeah all of a sudden after all i think i'm gonna shoot you now that i got your buddies these guys killed a bear so uh alec baldwin falls into a bear trap and a pitfall yeah a bear and, pitfall um, a bed of spikes underneath covered gadget. dies a really sweet ending to this movie is where he comes back and and there's this there's this passage where you know he can never be with his his girl again Mickey because she did have infidelity with dead Baldwin uh, Alec and he turns around and there's all these photographers he's a, he was a billionaire so everybody's like oh where the fuck yeah, where the billionaire he got go. saved and, he's, and he, he walks up and, and, and it ends on his face yeah yeah and and they say like well, how were the other men what were they doing when 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 you know and he's like. They died saving my life, and he starts breaking up, and then it, then it fades out on his face. If this movie came out in seventeen, I was about seventeen when this came out. I remember that last line being just an, an, an and just a really terrible ending. <laughs> it's a terrible film, but I love it. All right, let's just do a recap of the themes from from The Edge, nineteen ninety seven. Lee Tomahuri from The Edge. Infidelity. Hopkins is really smart, but that doesn't mean he doesn't get scared about his wife cheating on him. It's true. This nine-foot-tall babe, played by a former Sports Illustrated sex bomb, totally is going for Alec Baldwin, and everybody knows it. (laughs) Theoretical versus applied knowledge. Hopkins is book smart, but he's never been able to use all the information he's assembled in his head over the years. Now he's got the perfect chance. That's the center of the film. He's got the perfect chance with this The Edge scenario. I guess all the reading pays off because when he's in the middle of nowhere being tracked by very personal bears, he has total recall of every book he's ever read. (laughs) (laughs) This dude dude knows everything. Then again, he displays his talent very ham-fistedly in the first few scenes of the movie. I mean, he's just very very obvious that he's read and he knows and he's like, I'm smart. Yeah, he's not even a character. um, And finally... I don't have much to say about this film, Nathan. It's a basic man versus yeah. nature setup with a whole lot of one-liners and really man tired, man. lot of lot of shitty one-liners and a tired-looking Hopkins. Pre-fat Alec Baldwin isn't much of a villain, and his clever demise is sort of boring. I can even tell. Yeah, I can't even tell if this movie was tapping into any late '90s trends. It's the perfect film for our series, as it's been totally forgotten. And in my opinion, this is as it should be. It's absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great words on the subject. To wrap up, I got a little trivia of uh, The Edge. Just before, you know, you, you think it couldn't get any worse. Uh, here's possible titles that they didn't use. While they were shooting, they, they were shooting with the, the title uh, Bookworm, <laughs> as is as uh, directly related to Charles Moore's character. Yeah, that'll, Bookworm was that'll considered bring as seats. the title for the film. Other titles considered and ultimately rejected were Wild, uh, Wilder. <laughs> Wilder. The Wild. Wilder, that's it. Wilder, yeah. Into the Wild. That's That would have been a good one. How about this? Wilderness Now. <laughs> like Apocalypse Now. Uh, Dead Hunt, which I think is another movie, isn't it? Bloody Betrayal. And uh, my favorite one. I think the one they should have used, Bloody Betrayal. Yeah. Uh, the Bear Roared. That's the... <laughs> 
that's I think I think I would have remembered it, and I think it would have been in my DVD collection with that title. Um, other little Lord. things. Funny enough, Robert De Niro was considered for the role of Charles Morris, Anthony Hopkins' role. Uh, Dustin Hoffman was also considered. I think I think Alec Baldwin's locked just because of the David Bamett connection, right? Yeah, Glengarry. Yeah, because I think I, there could have been a lot of better the people better in films his role. he was in by David Bamett. Anthony Hopkins during the making of The Edge. <laughs> are we? We're totally, we're totally like. <laughs> <laughs> Beyond interest of the edge, and uh, I hope people rent this and uh, check out check it out. Anthony Hopkins had a brush with death during shooting in Alberta, Canada. Oh, with that uh, second he fell in the river. That film. He fell in the river. Oh, and was during the, the scene where they were making hypothermia. the fucking tree. Bridge. He was treated for hypothermia, and he almost died. Anthony Hopkins was suffering from a slip disc throughout the filming, and incorporated his pain he felt into his performance. I like that little tidbit because you can see it. You know? Yeah, there's a lot of pain. A lot of pain. Because today, bring it on. We're gonna kill the motherfucker. Right. Somehow the edge made it back into our consciousness uh, currently in the totally year of 2006. If you ever need to be brought to the edge, go rent the David Mamet classic. Lee Tamori directed uh, the edge. Woo! So, uh, very surprising choices for uh, for the movie list. A very exciting list. I hope people go and check out those films, and uh, I hope everybody grows a mustache for the next time we see you. You know what I what I want to do with my hair? Just real quick, I would love it if I could get sideburns that came on a little longer, like a little farther. Yeah, out I can't do that either. What's head. going on with that? Like the cool like sideburns, the like the, the ones shops. in um, the ones in Brokeback that he had. <laughs> Heath Ledger's? No, 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 no. Uh, uh, Gyllenhaal. Oh yeah, he did have some chops. He had some mutton chops. They well, not mutton chops. They're they're cool. Like Trent Reznor had them in the '90s. Remember that? Yeah. And I, so did so did um, so did Robert Plant. Since you're on your Led Zeppelin, Robert phase. Plant. Robert Plant had them. Robert Plant had it. Yeah. Every, yeah, those are cool, man. I I, would, I can't grow them that long. I don't know what it is. They like, just my don't. They just... don't. It's not a matter of length. It's a matter of how they come out longer. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you can't, could probably grow up better than I would. Though. I I've sort of. I tried. I try every time, but they don't grow. I'm so glad much. that someone else is dying for our sins and doing the mustache contest because you and I will never do that. We can't. We can't. Do I look. That. I look more Hispanic than I already do. With you, you, I look you look very dis- Hispanic. You look creepy. Actually, you, you know, Hispanic creepy. men. I think in, in culture, if you notice a lot of guys out here now, they got mustaches. You know, oh, it's that? part of being a man. It looks good on them though. It looks Darker good on skin, Hispanic maybe, maybe, maybe just the olive skin. I don't know. Maybe you could name the X factor if you'll send us an email. I don't know if you will. Our email, by the way, by the by, is hearmenowbrother at hotmail.com. Nathan, could you give them it's our web address? It's actually at yahoo.com, but uh, hearmenowbrother at yahoo. So <laughs> we, we, I, I can't I scramble out. I just wanted to out. say hotmail. For, I, wanted to I say can scramble out and make a hotmail account. but it's, I, Sorry, it's hearmenowbrother at yahoo.com. I, everybody should check out. The, the blog. We got some new stuff up. So, yes, it's uh, hearmenowbrother.blogspot.com. You can get us there. Check us out. Watch our videos. We've got a, a trailer we'd like you to see as well. Yeah, the trailer uh, is doing pretty well. People are enjoying it. If and, you're addicted uh, to MySpace like I am, uh, you can get us at my. You can get me at www.myspace.com slash hearmenowbrother. All one word. And if you want to contact me on MySpace, it's uh, www.myspace.com slash time is now. And I will be there to answer questions for the world. 
deep <laughs> deep questions. So I so we'll be back uh, next episode. We're going to do something about jobs, and I think we're going to uh, obviously do our do best our, worst our films of the year. Job histories, yeah, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about the Oscars, even though they're really boring this year. Uh, so that's it. And I hear the music coming, Nate. No, and, uh, I, can't I wish it would it. just just not come. Top five accurately rated bands. Radiohead. Arcade Fire. Brian Eno. David Bowie. And My Bloody Valentine. Top five underrated bands. Genesis. Yes, Genesis. I said that. I did say that. In excess. But only slightly. Most of the time, they're not even rated at all. Blue Oyster Cult. Blue Oyster Cult. Queensryche. Yes, this one's for Tim Coyne. Gotta give you a shout out there, bud. And finally, Seal. I'm not kidding. Thank you.